Hey, this is Philip Craig here. I'm the pastor of Aria Church. This is our podcast. I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this empowers you. I hope it fuels your faith. And I hope it impacts your life. Enjoy the message. Good to see you all, Grace Generation people. Just you nod in agreement and say amen because you might have heard us before. Uh, praise the Lord. Anyway, thank you all for the warm welcome, the hospitality, and um, yeah, hang on. I just got to get a Bible. There you go. That's, I don't even know it's upside down. It is upside down. What does that show you? Got to get organized. Anyway, lovely to be here. It really is. Um, so Brian's my name, as, as Phil has said. I've, I've been a pastor for, I don't know, 12 years. Um, 20 years I've been at Cornerstone City Church, okay? I started there when the church was 35 uh, people, and um, I was an estate agent at the time, and then journeyed all through life group host, and then it was on the leadership team, and then uh, became an assistant pastor and left my my practice, and, and then went full-time then as a senior pastor. And so of half of those 20 years, I was leading the church through. And so we, we led it all the way to about 350 people and got a city center building and all of that stuff. And we're about to move into it. And God says, your time's done. <laughs> oh, praise God. That's so good. And uh, so that, that, that's been our year this year. We've been transitioning out of, of, of full-time church leadership, as it were. And uh, all throughout uh, 2018, we've been working with Christian Churches Ireland, which is our covering organization. It's a relationship network of uh, of churches all across the country, north, south, east, and west, who just want to build strength in the leadership teams. We want to plant churches, and we want to just raise, raise leaders as well. And so it's a real just relational family kind of connection that we try to do. And uh, we are just for your church. We're for this church, and it's exciting to see what you guys are doing, what's happening with the buildings, mental, your worship team, rock and roll, it's awesome, so good. Coffee, everything, okay? It's, it's a really happening thing. And for where you're at, and for, what, three months old, it's, uh, it's really, really exciting. So uh, kudos to you guys. I'm married to Judith, and uh, Judith is a pediatric occupational therapist, and uh, much, much, much smarter than me. And um, together we have four kids. The four are all the same age. They're Sarah, Peter, Lucy, and Charlotte. They're, they are 13. And, um, and I'll share a little bit about that story uh, in and through what I got to say tonight, all right? So, um, yeah, that just kind of sucks the oxygen out of the room. It's like, oh, did, did I hear that right? Um, and so, but you did. And, uh, and so here we go. Right, tonight we're going to talk about confidence, okay? And uh, the world um, has a way, life has a way of draining your confidence. Yes? Anybody? Yes? The louder you are, the better I get. I'm serious. I, I promise. Okay, so look, uh, and it just has a way. It doesn't mean to, but the truth is life has a way of draining the confidence. And even the Bible tells us to try and work hard at holding on to it. And so if the Bible tells us to hold on to it, the reality is it sometimes must be difficult to hold on uh, to the very thing that the Bible says to grab hold of. And so there are many things in life uh, that come out against the God-given confidence in you. But tonight, I want to give you identify, I suppose, three little sort of confidence busters, things that come along to try and rob your confidence. But then also, in, in the antidote to that, I want to give you three confidence boosters, okay, so that you hopefully can identify with some of this and then leave tonight with a little bit more confidence before Monday hits you like a slap on the proverbial, okay? Isn't that, isn't that right? So we're going to look at three confidence busters. The first one is the critic, the unexpected, 
and failure, and then we're going to give three confidence boosters to help us move forward, okay? So to help us, we are going to look at the life of Abraham and a little tiny bit of his journey. And, uh, and so if you can turn with me to Hebrews uh, chapter 11, I want to read kind of four verses, starting at verse 8, and we're going to go through to all the way through to verse 12, okay? And uh, some of you may be familiar with this passage, other of you may may just be brand new to this. Um, But nevertheless, there's some things in this little passage that we're going to pull out, and hopefully uh, the Holy Spirit will help us with tonight. Amen? So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8, hopefully it'll be behind me on the screen. There it is. And, uh, And so the Bible says, the Word of God, the living, active Word of God. Amen? This, this thing is, is, oh, it's just so much more than a book. Yes. yes? When you read the story of creation, it says that the Spirit hovered, and then God said. Something happens when the Spirit of God connects with the Word of God. It creates something in you that wasn't there before. And so what we're looking for, when we read the Bible, when we pray and we read the Bible, you know, we are looking for something to be created within us that wasn't there before. So that's what we're praying is going to happen tonight. So the Bible says in verse 8, Hebrews chapter 11, By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went, even though he did not know where he was going. Classic man, GPS, we're heading out, you know the way, I don't shut up. That's the way we go. That's what we do. We just, who needs directions, okay? Verse 9, By faith, he made his home in the promised land like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents as did Isaac and Jacob. Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. Verse 10, for he was looking forward toward the city with foundations whose architect and builder is God. Then it says, by faith in verse 11, Abraham, even though he was past age and Sarah herself was barren, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise in verse 12. And so from this one man and he as good as dead came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the sea shore. Well, let's just pray. Father, we pray tonight to have you lovingly and graciously but aggressively attack our lack of confidence. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do something within us that maybe we weren't expecting to. We were coming to an evening service or a nighttime. We're checking this church out. Whatever the reason is we're here, the reality is that we are all here on purpose and we're here to get in front of God. And we're here to be encouraged and strengthened by you. And so, Holy Spirit, will you take this word and would you put them on little arrows and just inject them into our hearts and into our lives so that we leave here encouraged and confident in Jesus. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So the very first confidence buster is the critic. Anyone meet a critic. Anyone know a critic at all? Anyone? We, 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 honestly, we've all, and even when I say the word critic, someone comes to your mind right now, and we rebuke them and banish that in Jesus' name. You know what I'm saying? We do. And so, we all know the critic. And listen, here's the reality, everybody. We've all been critical, yes? Not so much. We've all been critical. We already absolutely do. But imagine being known as the person who's the critic. 
Imagine being known as the person that when you walk into a room, the oxygen leaves the next available exit. I know some people that when they walk up close to me, I get a warning bristle in the back of my neck. Do you get those people? And, and their, whole, their whole life, their whole pockets and all of their clothes, they, they, they are full of clouds which they try to stuff into your silver linings. Those types of people, do, do you know who, who they might be? And, and I wonder, could it be could it be you? But we, we all know what it's like to have sustained criticism steal our confidence. And we've all had some little bit of crit, but always on and on and on and on. You know, there's maybe been people in your life who have, who have spoken over you negatively, negatively, negative, 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 negative. It could be, you know, a, a partner of old. It could be an a, abusive spouse. It could be a negative boss. It could be a sibling. It could be whatever it is in your life. But it is a sustained critic, and it takes away your confidence. In Genesis 13, we read about a row that's been brewing between Abraham and Lot, his nephew. And in the end, that row causes them to separate and to go their own ways. And so I want to ask you tonight, what do you do when your life has had to change course because of sustained criticism? You've been living one way with this in your ear for months and for years, and suddenly you find yourself walking in a new way because you've had to walk away from the criticism. And right now, because of that position, because of the decision you've made, you find confidence is now lacking in your life. You're no longer confident about the future like you used to be. You're no longer confident about the promises of God like you used to be. You're no longer confident even about your, your appearance, your intelligence, your, your self-esteem, your work. You're no longer confident like you used to be. What do you do? Well, let me give you the very first confidence booster, and it's this. I want to encourage all of us, let's make the first step a return to revelation. The Bible says in Genesis 13, verse 14, and it's beautiful of God. Get this picture of God the Father. It says, the Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are. Vision is everything in this moment. Lift up your eyes from where you are and look north and look south and look east and look west. All the land you see, I will give to your offspring forever. What is God doing? God is giving Abram a fresh revelation because God knows what criticism can do to calling. And so I want to show you today, and I hope this works, but I want to show you why revelation is so important to your confidence. Why the revelation from God, why those promises of God, why the Word of God is so important to your confidence. Could you show up this slide for me? I want you to see a process here. You see, revelation creates faith. You see, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the the Word of God. Revelation creates faith. What faith does, it activates confidence. What confidence? It primes calling. Calling initiates the gifts. Gift then ignites anointing. Anointing releases power. Power unleashes purpose. And everybody, purpose changes everything and every 
one. He said, I believe this. Confident people are revelation people. They're word people. They're Bible people. They're praying people. They're fasting people. They know the word of God people. Confident churches aren't always the biggest churches, the fanciest churches, but confidence churches are revelation churches. They're word of God churches. They know what it is to hear the voice of God. And so maybe you're here tonight and you've lost confidence because of the critic. Can I encourage you Go home, not, not with a finish, just go home, get out those promises. You know where they are. They're highlighted. Get out those cards that people have written you, the prophetic words, whatever it is, and lift up your eyes from where you are and get a fresh revelation of the Word of God for your life. Come on, and get the Word of God in, because what does it do? It builds faith. It initiates confidence and calling and gifts and anointing and power and purpose. Confidence is everything, but revelation is the is the litmus test. It is the ignition of it all. So come on, let's get some word back in. Let's lift up your eyes from where you are and begin to go forward in Jesus' name. The second little confidence buster that comes along in our lives from time to time, and I hope not too often, is the unexpected. Anyone ever have anything unexpected happen to them? Just two of you. Oh, so it's good. If it hasn't happened yet, it's coming. Expect the unexpected, okay? It really is. And I tell you, events are going to happen in your life that will challenge your theology, that will challenge the revelation. Yes? It's going to challenge your comfort zones. Who's up for that? It's going to challenge your capacity. We talked about this this morning. It could be a sudden death. It could be a, a positive diagnosis. It's a job loss. It's a redundancy. It's a divorce. Or maybe even it could be something a bit more long-term that you're carrying some guilt, some secrets, some memories of a past trauma. Anyone, and don't put your hand up, anyone carrying wounds? Anyone carry, there's people in this room carrying wounds. You're carrying wounds. And you've been carrying it for years, wounds. In Genesis 11, in the story of, of Abraham, we, we read this. Let me read some verses to you. Verse 28, and then I want to read 31 and 32. While his father, Abraham's father, Terah, was still alive, Haran, that's Abraham's brother, died in Ur of the Chaldeans, the land of his birth. Terah, then in verse 31 and 32 of Genesis 11, Terah took his son Abram, his grandson Lot of, uh, of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abram, and they set out together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there, and Terah lived 205 years. And listen to this, he died in Haran. I, I find there's a connection here. You see, the whole family, they, they packed up, and they were about to embark on this journey, this adventure of God to go to Canaan. They were all going to go together. They all arrive in a place called Haran, which coincidentally shared the same name as his deceased son. And from that place, Terah could go no farther. Now, here's the theological reality. We don't know why, honestly, why they stayed. Why only Abraham moved on. So I'm just throwing this out here, and I'm just wondering, could Terah walk no further from the place of his hurt? from the place that shared the name of his deceased child. You see, there's nothing like a wound to stop your walk. 
nothing, like a wound. And so I want to give you a little confidence booster then, and it's simply this. I want to encourage you to dig deep and get into God and to go for it, but to leave your hurt in Haran, whatever your Haran is. There's a brilliant psalm, Psalm 84. Let me read to you verse 5 through 7. It says this, Blessed are those whose strength is in you, who have set their hearts on pilgrimage. And as they pass through the valley of Baca, I'm going to say tears. It means the same thing. As they pass through the valley of tears, they make it a place of springs. And the Bible says they go from strength to strength to strength. I've got to tell you, I got a phone call 1 January in 2005 from my wife. She says, you better get home. I go, I can't come home, I'm working. She says, get home. She says, I can't, she says, get home. And so I went home. Three get homes, ever increasing intensity. You just go home. And that's what happens. And so she'd just gone for a little tiny scan at week seven of the pregnancy. We were having a baby at long last. And she says, you better sit down. I says, I will stand for this. She says, sit down, I will stand, sit. So I sat down like a dog. And she said, guess what? <laughs> and I couldn't have any idea what was about to come out of her mouth. And she said, we're not having one baby. And I went, awesome, one each. You can have the girl. I will have the boy. Score. She says, we're not having two. I went, amazing, three. Okay, busy, busy. But God's good. <laughs> it's going to be awesome. And then she says these words. This is, what she, this is what she said. She said this. Guess again. I said, what? She says, we're having four. Four heartbeats. Four heartbeats in my belly. And I went, <laughs> tales of the unexpected. I would have settled for one. I'm not greedy. I'm not, I'm not a greedy person. But I'm telling you. And all the way through, and there's a whole big story, but we haven't got time. But the, the, as we journeyed through, and so we were offered all sorts of things. We were offered a fetal reduction, go across to England, and, and maybe take two out because the, 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 the chances of, of four being born healthy and well, and so do you take a couple away to, to give the other two room? And all of these things go through your mind. And oh, surely they couldn't go through the mind of a believer and an elder of the church at that time. They go through your mind. When you've never been in a place you've never been before, you think things you never thought before. Come on. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. We've we got to be gracious with people in life and all the seasons they're going through. Never be the church that judges. Never be the person that, hmm, don't be that person, I've got to tell you. You don't know what it's like sometimes. We learn that lesson. Anyway, we go through all of that. And Judith, she, you know, she, we decide we're going to keep everything and all the kids and we're going to journey come what may, whether they'll be born at all, whether they'll be born alive, whether they'll be born, you know, with, with some issues. And, but we are going to trust God. And, and all the while, you know what, God was speaking to Judith. And all the while, he said nothing to me. Nothing. And believe me, I asked him a lot. And so I began to learn about this little sort of step I'm going to put you through right now when the unexpected happens in your life. Look at Psalm 84 again. First of all, blessed are those whose strength is in you. I want to encourage you, seek your God. When the unexpected happens, seek God. He is not unexpected. He knows exactly, and He knew the whole way through. So you might as well turn to him and seek him. And I remember 10 days before they were born, God finally turns up to me and he gives me Isaiah 60, verse 21 and 22. And he said this, they are the shoot I have planted. The shoot, one shoot, they plural. 
They are the shoot I have planted, the work of my hands for the display of my splendor. The least of you will become a thousand, the smallest a mighty nation. I am the Lord. In its time, I will do this swiftly. It leapt off the page. I cried like a child, and in a week and a half, they were born in four minutes. Charlotte was born last. She was born the lightest, two pounds five. And if you say to her today, what's your nickname? She'll go, Mighty Nation. Because the least of you will be a thousand, the smallest, a mighty nation. Seek your God. And the second thing we've got to do, we've got to set our hearts on pilgrimage. We've got to set our heart, not on permanence, on pilgrimage. You pass through. You pass through the valley. And so when I got revelation, I got confidence. Revelation brings confidence. And God spoke. Do you know what? I knew he was with me. And then this presence began to heal my worried heart. And then I began to see the big picture. And I got to be understand this was a season we were going through, not a season to stay in. It's not meant to be forever. And once again, I began to believe that all things were possible once more. And then it says, you know what? We got to pass through the valley of Baca, through the valley of tears. And so I want to encourage you to take one step. When you know God is with you, God's speaking to you, you can move forward. You're not meant to pause in the valley. You're meant to pass through the valley. And so when God began to speak to me, I began to pray bigger prayers, and confidence grew, and we began to move forward and take one step, and maybe, just maybe, this is going to be okay. And then on the 23rd of June, 2005, I sat, I sat at Judah's shoulder, and I watched these miracle workers. There was, what have we got? We must have had... We had four neonatal crash teams, one per child. We had spread it over two theaters. We had uh, neonatal, as they say, crash teams. We had doctors. We had nurses. We had Chinese tourists with photographs. We had students from all over the country. All, and then there was me sitting, you know. I had one nurse assigned to me in case I fainted. <laughs> oh, yes. I'm just watching you, my friend. And so... And that was the way it went. And I watched them just be born. And so Sarah was first, and there's your first daughter. Bang, out they go. There's your, there's your first and only son. I'm, he's the only son. We're having no more. And so there you go. And then Lucy came out, and she goes, hello, Daddy. And then Charlotte came out, and that was it. And off they went. Whoosh, wrapped Judith in foil. And then that was it. I was like, it was four minutes. And then it says, they make it a place of springs. Sow your tears. The Bible says that when you sow your tears, you make where you sow it a place of springs. Which means the people that come after you will take encouragement from your willingness to sow your hurt and be blessed by your experience. So the Bible says to me that we were to talk about the children for the display of a splendor. And so I'm here tonight, and I'm sowing my tears, and I'm sowing my story, because I want you to know He's the God of the unexpected. He's the God of the miracle. He's the God of miraculous. And I know, listen this, I know that my story with premature babies is not everybody's story. But nevertheless, he, He's the God of the unexpected. And I want to encourage you, seek your God, set your heart, take one step, and sow your tears because God will come through. I know people in Derry, they lost a child at the age three. What did they do? They crumbled and fell apart. Not at all. They became bereavement counselors, and they sowed their tears. There's a friend of mine, he a drug and alcohol self-harm. He met Jesus. He sowed his tears, and today he starts a brand new job tomorrow as an addiction nurse. 
band seven, promotion, promotion, promotion. He's sowing his tears in Jesus' name. It is not the end of you. It is not the end of you. Finally tonight, the last confidence buster is failure. Anyone ever failed? Hundred percent, absolutely. And sometimes we can we can feel it faith. Anyone ever feel it faith? Oh, this is the holy crowd. Oh, I don't feel it faith, not at all. What are you talking about, you moron? That's it. what? Anyone ever feel it? Let, let Jesus down and all. How many of you are fasting and had a rice cake at least because it doesn't really count as food? That's not real food. I can rice cake, dip it in chocolate. Come on, absolutely. We feel it, faith. And I know some of you are in this room, you know what? You're in the middle of fallout from failure. A little bit of guilt, a little bit of sprinkling of shame with a, with a, with a side portion of self-loathing. You're kicking yourself. And i got to be honest, all of this thing kind of rocks your confidence in God a bit. Am I a Christian? Am I saved? Can I make it as a Christian? Could I make it as a Christian at all? Sh- should I do it? I-, I don't know. I make too many mistakes. Maybe business has failed, or marriage has failed, the kids have failed, and I, I just walk around and everything I touch just seems to crumble. Not Mr. Golden Touch, I'm Mr. Crumble Touch, and everything just seems to break around me. Steals your confidence a little bit. Bible tells us there was a time after Abram arrived in Canaan that a famine hit the land. Abram heads off to Egypt in search of food, does not trust God. And while he's there, he's forced to lie about his wife. I never learned. And he forces Pharaoh to deport him. Abraham has got it spectacularly wrong with two people. The ruler of the most powerful nation in the, in the world at that time. And worse than that, his missus. Absolutely. Can you imagine the donkey ride home in the cart? You told him I was what? I was your sister. You told him, seriously, did you? I'm going to kill you when I get you home. 100%. Instead of asking God what he should do when the famine hit, Abram panicked and he went straight down to Egypt. Well, there's food there and I'm going to go straight down. Listen to me here. When you go to a place you're not supposed to be, you're more likely to do something you're not meant to do. It's the opposite of what I said earlier. When you go to a place you're not supposed to be, you're more likely to do something you're not meant to do. So I want to encourage you. I want to ask you, what is your Egypt? Where is your Egypt? What are you stepping into? What place are you stepping into that opens up your vulnerabilities and opens you up to a greater chance of of failure? See, for some of us, it could be, you know, an old hurt you revisit. Anyone ever revisit an old hurt, an old memory, an old betrayal? You want to poke that scab just to have a pity party? Anyone here waiting on an apology? from someone and then you'll forgive them? Can I give you a prophetic word of knowledge? It's not coming. And let me tell you why it's not coming. Because they don't know you need it. Because they did nothing wrong. Even if God told them. Even if, even in their betrayal, you know what, they were still doing you a favor. It isn't coming. It's time to move on. So I don't know what your Egypt is, Maybe it's a place of backsliding. It's late, too late at night at Netflix. It's too much on the phone at night on your own. You know what I'm saying. Whatever your Egypt is, whatever your place of vulnerability is, it's wherever you step into that you're not supposed to be and that opens the door to a greater chance of failure. What do you do? What do you do? 
Confidence booster number three. We got to learn to keep the Egypt out of Egypt. And see, if you're in Egypt right now, surrounded by all the emotions that come with failure, I want to encourage you, you need to get your coat because you're leaving Egypt. Look at Genesis 13, verse 1 to 4. It's coming up behind me, and then I'm done. It says this, So Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev with his wife and everything he had, and Lot went with him. Abram had become wealthy in livestock and silver and gold, and from the desert he went from place to place, listen to this carefully, until he came to Bethel, to the place between Bethel and Ai, listen, 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 where his tent had been earlier, listen, and where he first built an altar. And there Abram called on the name of the Lord. What did Abram do when he got it wrong? He went back to the place where he first got it right. He went back to the altar. You see, for some of us, we started out so well for God, but the journey today just hasn't seemed to work out, and right now you're in Egypt and you do not know how to get home. Can I encourage you, will you take the step of humility? You see, humility opens the door to the heavenly in your life. Will you humble yourself? And I want to encourage you today, there's an altar you can run to right now. It's an altar you have been there before. It's the altar you arrived at when you first said yes to Jesus, and you can approach this altar. It's not made of stone or anything like that. It is made of wood. It is made of two pieces of wood in the shape of a cross. And, and when you come close to this altar, you'll be able to see blood stains and blood marks. And when you get even closer, you'll be able to see nail holes of this altar. This is the cross. It is the dried blood of Jesus Christ, blood spilled so that every sin and every mistake and every regret and every fallout from failure could be absolutely removed and washed away. And so when you get it wrong, go back to the place where you first got it right. Get back to the cross. Run to the cross. Embrace the cross. Fall at your feet before the cross. Confess your sin. Confess your mistake. Confess whatever it is. And Jesus will meet you there. The resurrection power will be there for you. A new start, a fresh start, every single moment of every single day. Listen, Jesus still forgives Christians. Hello? It's easy to be forgiven when we're not a Christian. It's so much harder to receive it when we are. You see, Jesus, in humility, he walked up to and embraced the greatest altar there's ever been. And of course, it's the cross, and on this altar, he made a way for you and me to be forgiven, for you and me to be restored, and for you and me to be released into a life of purposeful pilgrimage. Christ's humility ushered in the heavenly for me, and it ushers in the heavenly for you. Jesus forgives you, and I want to ask you, are you ready to leave Egypt? Are you ready to step out into the place, away from the place of vulnerability and mistakes? Are you ready to make some big decisions that are going to make life easier for you? So as we close this part of tonight, I want to just remind us, ask you, what has busted your confidence in life or in God today? Is it the critic? Is it? Is it the unexpected in your life? Or is it just plain failure?
I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. If you did, there's just a few things I'd like you to do. Subscribe to our podcast so the most recent message will always be in your feed. Secondly, if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can go onto our website at ariatchurch.org and give now. And we'll see you next time on the Ariat Church Podcast.